With a unique new chairperson in charge, the NBAA Weather Subcommittee is looking for your input. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. I'm Pete Combs with your trusted source for business aviation news. Part of the NBAA Access Committee, the Weather Subcommittee is dedicated to providing a platform by which members can interact with a broader aviation weather community. On the committee itself, people who represent just about every phase of the industry, from pilots to schedulers, from dispatchers to, and perhaps you didn't know this, people who work in the back of the plane as flight attendants and flight technicians. Last month, at the NBAA Business Aviation Convention and Exhibition in Orlando, I sat down with leaders of the NBAA Weather Subcommittee, past and present. I'm talking with NBAA's John Kosak, who's the association's weather program manager and staff liaison with the Weather Subcommittee, and John is a weather authority in his own right. The subcommittee's outgoing chairman is Bruce Carmichael, director of the Aviation Applications Program at the National Center of Atmospheric Research, recognized nationwide as an expert in aviation weather. As Bruce is retiring now, he's handing the reins of the Weather Subcommittee over to Judy Reef. Judy is a contract flight attendant with Aircraft Setup Services and former chair of the NBAA Flight Attendance Committee. She has an extensive background in meteorology with a Bachelor of Science degree in environmental sciences from Western Kentucky and experience as a meteorological technician at WSMB Television in Nashville. There, she coordinated local weather forecasts and graphics. Judy, why is it important to have everyone in the aircraft focused on weather? We want to keep everyone safe from the injuries. Um, And so having that information available to us uh, before we depart our, our locations is is vital. Having that uh, the location of the turbulence and route, we can adjust our cabin service. Plus, we can also advise the passengers via the seatbelt sign being turned on or verbally, we can advise the passengers, hey, we really want you to stay seated during this phase of the flight because we're going to encounter moderate turbulence. In many cases, some of the passengers do comply, in some cases they may not comply. But the challenge is, are they going to stay seated? It helps, I would think, to be able to tell them why you need to sit down Mm -hmm. and why you need to hold on on the meal service for just a minute, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, to give them a reason. Mm -hmm. Very true, it does. And um, again, the, the having the appropriate weather information and turbulence information uh, and, and relaying that to them is, is vital to keep them and us safe. Um, I think today's passengers are pretty savvy. They see in social media turbulence occurrences that um, happen on commercial aircraft. And so I think for the most part, everyone, you know, when we say stay seated, we mean stay seated because we're about to encounter that. Does that always happen? No, but it is important, you know, for them. And, and like I said, most comply. I'm not sure if I'm answering the question No, properly. you did great. Okay. So I do want to ask you another question just while we're chatting here. Um, it is remarkable that a non-pilot, non-scientist is actually going to lead this group. Do I have that correct? Uh, I am a pilot. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. That's okay. But not a fly. I mean, you're... I'm not flying. I'm not paid to fly the uh, corporate jets. Gotcha. I I guess, again, it talks to me about the need for everybody to be involved. Mm -hmm. 
Mary Chair. I'm actually thrilled that uh, I was asked by John to, to lead the, the, org, the committee. Um, again, I'm not a scientist, and um, I don't really, I do not have a degree in meteorology. I just hope from being a user, end user in the back of the aircraft and being able to put my skills together uh, as well as my background knowledge from a pilot aspect, from a weather aspect to help educate the community um, and our industry. I think we'd like to bring more awareness, weather awareness to the group. The need for, uh, I think, more training. Um, even in, in when, as a flight attendant, going through our training programs, initial or recurrent training programs, I think it would be great to touch on aviation weather just a little bit more than what's done. And as far as pilots go, I know they get a lot of great training, um, but I think it's about continuing education. You've got to keep up on the latest and greatest technology when it comes to aviation weather. Whether it's the onboard radar systems, maybe we could have more, um, more training or continuous training on those weather radar systems uh, on the aircraft, on board radar, weather radars. Sure. John, things are changing. I, I, every time I talk to you, something new is happening. Uh, and so let me take this opportunity to sort of ask what is ahead for us in the next, you know, 12 to 18 months. Uh, yeah, we're, we're progressing at the speed of light, it seems like. Uh, there's new tools that are popping up every day. Uh, one of the things that You'll see if you were to attend one of our friends and partners in aviation weather uh, sessions are some of the new tools that are being proposed. Uh, a lot of the research that's being done, uh, whether it's by uh, schools, uh, vendors, uh, the FAA and the National Weather Service themselves, uh, NCAR, all those different groups that are all trying to create the next best thing. Now, of course, that does create some complications. How do we keep up with all that? So part of the charter, if you will, of the weather subcommittee going forward is, is going to be to try and get as many NBA members as possible involved. Uh, we have companies that operate all different say, sizes and types of aircraft from single-engine uh, recips to single-engine turbines uh, to the uh, twin-engine you know, monsters that fly around the world uh, in a day. Uh, so we, we have a lot of members who have different needs. Uh, some of these smaller aircraft are going to spend the day going up and down on a regular basis, maybe flying in and out of uh, places that don't necessarily have weather reporting capabilities. Uh, flying in and out of areas that were, you know, previously only described on an area forecast, but now they can see on this graphical forecast for aviation. Part of the WIMAT thing is trying to figure out what we need going forward. For that, we need to hear from NBA members, whether they be flight attendants in the back, pilots in the front, and the schedulers and dispatchers or the maintenance technicians on the ground. From the planning to the execution of the flight, there's all kinds of different tools. And again, uh, the, the training aspect of it is real. And maybe we can point people towards resources for training. Maybe we can provide the training ourselves if there are gaps in training. A great example would be the uh, TFM convective forecast, the Traffic Flow Management Convective Forecast, or just TCF for short. 
Uh, this is a convective forecast product that shows a snapshot at four, six, and eight hours of where we're expecting to have significant convective weather. The traffic managers at the command center use this product in order to make decisions about airspace flow programs, uh, significant reroutes, you know, trying to go from San Francisco to New York via Atlanta. Uh, that's a little bit out of the way. Why are we doing that? And so that's a translation piece that there's an opportunity for us to provide as well. But again, going forward, it's looking at all these new things and probably trying to consolidate some of them. Yeah, that's a great point, John. And I want to turn to Bruce on this because we talked about trying to drag information out of the system back in the day where we had the, the three forecasters per shift in Kansas City. Now it's like drinking from the fire hose, it seems. How do you manage it now? I can certainly remember the day when everything was paper, but we went through a revolution that coincided with supercomputing and the internet so that now we have this, this massive information and we can move it wherever we need it, <clears throat> except for one place. Uh, for, until recently, we couldn't move it to the cockpit. And so the person who needed the information the most really only had a microphone to talk. And um, so now we're going through another revolution where it's, it's getting to the point where the information is all available in the cockpit. So now this becomes a real problem of how much information do you really want to put into the cockpit? How much do you want to put on a display? How much do you want a pilot sort of spending their time browsing through lots and lots and lots of data when you actually would prefer that they look outside? And so there's this whole issue now as you sort of raised it about the pilot and what they really need and when they need it and how do you get it to them just in time and just the right information without uh, without overcoming them uh, with information. So that's really where a lot of the research uh, is currently going on is the human factors aspect of, of how do we communicate the right information at the right level of detail at the right time to, to, the, to the folks in the cockpit. Judy, to the same uh, end, I would think that when you're trying to get information to the back of the plane, you're also drinking from the firehouse. Are you also experiencing that same sort of need to filter, same sort of need to sift that information to get what you need effectively, quickly, and just when you need it? Yes, we do. Uh, filtering information is great because there's a lot of that data that we don't need back there. Basically, it's I think personally for us, it's pretty simple. Is it going to be smooth or is it going to be rough? Seatbelt sign on, seatbelt sign off. I personally feel just a little bit better communication from the cockpit to the cabin crew. Um, I'm a big advocate of pre-flight briefings, including the weather and also including cabin crew, because there may be some operations that uh, do not include their, their cabin crew in their weather briefings um, and our briefings overall. But uh, we need to know if it's going, we're going to have rough air or smooth air, which also helps us discern again when we're going to provide cabin service and also to be able to safely walk around the cabin at altitude. Hey, let me ask, a lot of uh, this technology is coming out on iPads. Uh, a lot of cockpit crew members are using them. Do you advocate the use of an iPad for weather purposes in the back of the plane? 
I actually not an iPad, but I have a Turbulence app on my cell phone um, that I use. I will look at um, NCARS graph uh, turbulence data, and well as uh, I have an app called Turbulence Forecast. And if I want some just quick information, I'll use that app, and it actually gives me or shows me areas of the country that may have low-level wind shear or altitudes. Uh, for example, from maybe 28,000 to 47,000 feet, we're going to have some turbulence in that region as well. So um, I, I think for the flight attendants or the cabin crew, just something, a quick, easy uh, application is great to, to be able to look at and, and possibly get updates en route from your pilots as well. John, you're hearing a lot of different needs just within one aircraft. The pilots have a certain need for certain information at a certain time. Flight attendants have a certain need. The passengers have a need. Are we able to meet those needs? And more importantly, to Bruce's point, can we filter it for each user? The short answer is yeah. Uh, the long answer is we need more input. We need more input from our members, uh, again, from the schedulers, the dispatchers, the pilots, uh, the information that they, they need on the flight deck the information that our flight attendants need in the cabin, the information that the passengers want in the cabin. Uh, you know, I spoke to it earlier, but uh, do the passengers actually want some sort of translation? You know, why is it clear where I'm leaving and clear where I'm arriving, and yet we're going way out of our way? Are the controllers and the pilots who share the responsibility for the safe operation of this aircraft, are they looking at the same information? Uh, are they looking at the same information in the same timely fashion? Uh, some controllers have scopes that update every five seconds. Uh, other controllers, not so quick. Uh, pilots, uh, the information that comes up to the flight deck right now, to the best of my knowledge, is not regulated as far as the timeliness of that information. The radar takes a certain amount of time to scan the atmosphere. Then it takes time to process that scan. Then it takes time to send that image up to the flight deck and display it. There's, there's nothing that says which time has to be put on there. What time did the scan start? What time did the scan finish? What time was it processed? What time was it sent? What time? There's, there's nothing that says what time has to be put on there. So. Uh, again, it's, it becomes an education piece because you have a pilot who's looking at information that in some cases can be over 15 minutes old. They're looking at a radar picture. If you're talking about a fast-moving thunderstorm, that cell is, it, it has moved. <laughs> it is in a completely different position, and that represents a se severe safety issue, uh, not only for the, the folks flying, but the folks riding them back. When we talk about getting more people involved in, in uh, weather, aviation weather. Judy, when we talk about getting this information boiled down to what people need, when they need it, how do you hope to get people involved as you take over the reins of the subcommittee? More education, more awareness. Um, weather data is, there is a real need for better weather data, I think, uh, more in a more timely manner, um, like Bruce just stated. Uh, that's just so important. I mean, our passengers do care, obviously, about the weather in each of the locations. But I, I think on overall, more education and awareness. How can the membership help you to that end? What can 
NBAA members do to make people more aware of weather issues and about dissemination, the things they need to know. What can they do to help you in that effort? Letting us know what their needs are. Well, you can do that by getting in touch with the NBAA Weather Subcommittee. The email address is weather at nbaa.org. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan podcasts at Apple's iTunes website or download them from nbaa.org. I'm Pete Combs. Thanks for listening to Flight Plan.